Dear Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the privilege of being able to open up your word together. Thank you for being able to lift up your name together. Thank you, Lord. Help us to continue worshiping you in your word. Help us to continue worshiping with joy. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Open our hearts to you even as we open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. For the last couple of months, we've been talking specifically about thanking God. What does the Bible specifically say are some of the reasons that we should be thanking God? How many times throughout Scripture are we told, give thanks because of this, give thanks because of that? So consider this kind of a bonus one or a coda in that particular, that particular series. In that very first sermon, we looked at Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Actually, it's one of those capital L, capital, capital R, capital D moments of Lord. And since the whole point of the psalm is to focus on which God we're actually giving thanks to, I'm going to say, shout for joy to Yahweh, all the earth. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And I love the emphasis on joy in this. I mean, most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us have been in a church at some point or another where the worship music, the worship prayers, the worship is less than joyous. There are sometimes, sometimes for sobriety, but there are sometimes where it's like, praise God from whom all blood. It's not supposed to be drudgery. It's supposed to be something where you go, say, wait, wait, we get to talk to God. God is cool. God's God's like the ultimate dad who wants to be with you, who wants to communicate with you. This is supposed to be cool. So worship God, worship Yahweh with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that Yahweh is God. It's he who made us. We're his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? Because Yahweh is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Faithfulness to, to whom? To Israel, right? That's who this psalm is about. The psalmist even said in verse 3, it's he who made us, we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And that's talking about Israel, right? Is it? I mean, that very verse, that very first verse, sneakily, our psalmist started the whole song by saying, shout for joy to Yahweh, all the earth, all the earth, sing this, all the earth, sing this song, this joyful shout, this glad-hearted worship, it's for all the earth, it's for everyone, it's always been for everyone, everything's always been for everyone. Way back in the very first chapter of the Bible, God created humanity and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. Not just hover here, not just fill Israel, fill the earth. We were never intended to be one small enclave of God's sheep. We were all supposed to be God's sheep. So I love that he says, now shout for joy to Yahweh, all the earth. God took a, a remnant of the human race in Noah's family and saved them in order to have a healthy relationship because the rest of the planet was not having a particularly healthy one. He took a remnant of Noah's family in Canaan and saved them and said, I want to develop a healthy re relationship with you. He took a remnant of the Hebrews in the wilderness and saved them in order to have a healthy relationship. 
He took a remnant of the Jews in Israel and Judah and saved them in order to have a healthy relationship. He took a remnant of the Jews in exile and saved them in order to have a healthy relationship. He took a remnant of the Jews who believed in Christ and saved them in order to have a healthy relationship. In all this, it wasn't about preference. It wasn't about God preferring this culture or that racial stock or this family or that nation. It was about preserving the very concept of having a healthy relationship. All these people have lost it. You have. Let's focus on that and build on that. Okay, within this, your family, a lot of these people have missed it. Let's take you. Build on that. Over and over and over again, it's choosing one group not because he liked that group better, preferred that group, but choosing one group that he could really develop a relationship with so that that group could take that truth to other groups. At every stage, it's always been about saying, all right, do not be an enclave of sheep hiding in a cave. Be a city on a hill. Be a lighthouse. Be a beacon. Okay, we're all going to do that. And then half of them start doing it badly. He's like, okay, what? you be a lighthouse. You be a city on a hill. They go, yeah, 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 we grow, we grow. And this half starts doing it wrong. He's like, okay, you guys. But in all of this, it's always been reaching out to everyone. Because look at it. Hey, all the earth, the Jewish bard sings. Shout for joy to Yahweh, all the earth. Worship Yahweh with gladness, all the earth. Come before him with joyful songs, all the earth. We know Yahweh. We'd like you to know him too. We want you to know that Yahweh is God. Not just our God, he is God. It's he who made us, all of us, including you. We are his, all of us, including you. We are his people, all of us, including you. The sheep of his pasture, all of us. It's just a really big pasture. It's not that I want you to become his sheep. I want you to realize that you are his sheep and live like that. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, because he ain't already here. Give thanks to him, praise his name, because he ain't already doing that. For Yahweh is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Not just good for us, not just faithful to us, not just loving to us. God is good and he is loving and he is faithful. Period, right? In its own way, this psalm is not just a psalm of praise and thanksgiving, which is the way we normally think of it, and that's, it is that, but it's, in its own way, it's an outreach song. It's those who know God reaching out to those who don't know God, saying, I'd really like you to know God. Reaching out not in judgment, but with a welcome. Or I think of Psalm 117, one of the shortest psalms in the whole book. Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise Yahweh, all you nations. Extort, extol him, all you peoples. We want the whole world to know God. And in knowing God, to love God, and to praise God, to thank God. For great is his love toward us. Whoever us is. And the faithfulness of Yahweh endures forever. Praise Yahweh. That's the whole psalm. That's it. Just two, two verses. But he says, hey, all you nations. You, all you nations should praise Yahweh because he loves Israel, but not you. You should all sing praises that he loves Israel. Does that make sense? I want all of us to be praising God because God loves us. He is faithful to us. Martin Luther spent 36 pages in his commentary on the Psalms on this two-verse psalm. Part of that is because he's a nut, granted, but there's also a lot in there. 
This is a crucial psalm. He's not as that important. It's one of the six Hallel psalms, uh, praise songs that they sing at Passover every year. Which means that Jesus absolutely would have sung this psalm at Passover before he went to the cross. Praise Yahweh, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us. The faithfulness of Yahweh endures forever. Praise Yahweh. He would have sung that before he went to the cross. Would that have helped? And you sing them in order. That's the, that's the liturgy. You're supposed to sing them in order. So they sing this psalm, and then they would sing Psalm 118, because that comes after 117. Anyway, it's part of the Passover liturgy. So he would have sung that, and then he would have sung 118. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. His love endures forever. In fact, we're told in Matthew and Mark that they sang a psalm before they went off to Gethsemane, which means they probably were singing this right before they went off to Gethsemane. This would have been the Passover psalm. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear Yahweh say, his love endures forever. There's a theme. How much does God's love endure? How long? So long as things work well. And when they don't. Is that part of forever? Praise God. His love endures even when you're having wonderful days and forget him. Yes? His love endures forever even when you're having horrible days and forget him. Or shake your fist at him. Or feel abandoned or whatever. He still loves fully. Yes? Jesus would have sung. I love the, I love the next verse. The psalm of thanksgiving. This act of recognition conscious remembrance of God's love never stopping. In verse 5, he says, Jesus would have sung, In my anguish I cried to Yahweh, and he answered by setting me free. Yahweh is with me. I won't be afraid. What can man do to me? Yahweh is with me. He's my helper. That's what Jesus would have sung before the crucifixion. That's what he sang right before he went to Gethsemane. That's what he sang. This is the truth that Jesus knew, absolutely knew, that he could trust in. What are the chances that after having sung this, he would have such a bad day later on that day that he would actually think that God's love would stop? God would abandon him. Or was he on the cross citing a psalm, a psalm again, that ended... God has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He hasn't hidden his face from him. He's listened to his cry for help. Isn't that exactly what he was just singing? So he quotes another psalm. These psalms, these songs, these musical tidbits that we can sometimes skim over or skip over, or we just think of them as poetry, these psalms can burn God's capital T truth into our spirits in such a way that we remember them, we engage with them, we hold on to them. Even when we're having the best day of our life, it can echo. Even when we're having the worst day of our life, it can, it, can, it can echo in our hearts. And not even sweating blood or being nailed to a tree can take it from us. 
Because we say, wait, I know truth. I've sung this. I've sung this every year of my life. I've sung this. This active, ongoing, conscious, deliberate attitude of gratitude that comes from knowing. This cheerful heart that comes from knowing. This good attitude that comes from knowing what you know. This paradigm of remembering. This paradigm of remembering that we can lean on God's strength because he is good and his love endures forever. That we can do everything when we do it in God's strength. And so we can give thanks in everything. I've been saying that for two months. And I know it can be, it can be easy to say that because your life is fine. It can be hard to say that because your life is hard. I have a good friend from college named Rochelle. Um, she's actually... The person that first day in uh, at, at that first day on campus, uh, we were in the bookstore and she invited me to check out this campus ministry tour with her. And so we went to campus ministry together. She was Wendy's first discipler when Wendy became a Christian. My friend Rochelle lost her daughter this week, right before Thanksgiving, to suicide. You think that would color Thanksgiving? think that might affect your ability to give thanks i mean obviously of course it's going to color it i mean i can't imagine trying to can't imagine trying to sit down and make small talk over turkey with so much pain so much grief so much confusion so much all the things that that purple up when somebody you love takes their own life there's horrible twists of pain and grief and resentment and loss and I had to I had to have changed things to had to have ripped her heart out to try to spend Thanksgiving without somebody she loves that much and yet Rochelle posted a quote to express where she was at this week the deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of the pain, thanking God during the trials, trusting him when we're tempted to lose hope and, lose, and, and loving him when he seems so distant and far away. At my lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. At my weakest, God is my strength. At my saddest, God is my comforter. Is that trite or is that truth? If I had a rough day and I posted that and you lost somebody you love, that could be trite. Which is why I'm sharing that Rochelle posted it this week. To her, it's not trite at all. To her, this is truth. This is where she goes when she feels lost or broken or abandoned or just hurting. Where do you go? Where do you go when you feel like that? You go to the darkest parts of you, the angriest parts. You go to the parts that are broken and sad. You go to the parts that lash out. You go to the parts that are fearful and fear the worst and speak the worst. You, where do you go when you are going through the scariest bits, the parts where you feel the most like you're in the rapids and bobbing along in life? Where do you go? Where do I go? Or do you dive deep into what you know is true? 
If you've never had to do that, please listen, (laughs) because at some point you will. I guarantee that if you stay on the surface and you ride your feelings, it will be horrific. It'll be rapids. It'll be storm-tossed seas. You will potentially drown. And I guarantee if you dive deep, though a hurricane is going on on the surface, the water's calm. I don't mean you don't hurt. Rochelle is hurting. She's hurting really badly. What I mean is that you're, you're given perspective. You get shock absorbers to deal with the pain. Not that it doesn't hurt, not that there aren't potholes, but that you weather them. You drive and get past them somehow. You can hold on to joy. You can hold on to thankfulness. You can hold on to God no matter what the circumstances because you realize the circumstances are only the surface. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. It doesn't even mean that they don't affect you. But it isn't all there is. We know Rochelle's been reminded that our thankfulness is not, should never have been, based on our circumstances, based on how wonderful or how horrific today is, or how, how wonderful or how horrific the day feels. Our thankfulness has to be based on the source of our blessing. Our thankfulness has to be based on the giver of all good things. It has to be based on the character of the one who never changes. And if, if the one whom we're thanking doesn't change, then our thanking shouldn't change. And I don't mean that tritely. And I don't mean that philosophically. I mean when you've been given the best raise and the best promotion of your life, Praise God. Remember to praise God. When you find out that you're going to have a baby or you, your baby's born and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, praise God and thank him for it. When your daughter commits suicide, praise God and thank him for every year that you had with her, for loving her better than you as a parent ever could, for things that go so much bigger and deeper than this moment. There will be times in your life where you apply this sermon. Let me encourage you to apply this sermon. Jesus did. He applied it better than I ever could because he did it before the sermon. The sermon's based on him. Think of the end of Psalm 118. The psalm that he's singing. The psalm that he's singing right before he goes to Gethsemane. The end of the psalm. Because we know that Jesus loves applying the ends of psalms. How would nodding at the end of this psalm give him strength? Psalm 118.22, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Hadn't he just earlier in that Passover quoted that about himself? He literally had just quoted that saying, this is true of me. And so they start singing that and he's like, yes, I know this. I know this. Yahweh has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. It's a wonderment, something so much bigger and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. This is the day Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is all Psalm 118. These are all back-to-back verses. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. He sang as he entered into Good Friday. Was Good Friday a day that you could rejoice and be glad in it? 
Was that the day that the Lord has made? Most horrific day of his life. Could he rejoice and be glad in it? We know in Gethsemane, he wasn't rejoicing that he was going to be nailed to the tree. But can he find joy? Can he rejoice with the Lord even that day? Was there anything about the crucifixion he could rejoice about? Oh, yes, wait, yes, that's the whole reason he came. That's the whole reason he came. As horrific as it is, at the end of the day, he saves the whole world. Not just at that moment like a superhero, but for the rest of every moment like a savior. Could he rejoice and be glad in that? Gethsemane shows it's still going to hurt. There's still rapids. It's still, there's still a hurricane. It's not that the circumstances go away. It's that so much more is going on, so much deeper than just those circumstances of that moment. And that was the profoundest moment of bad circumstances ever. This is the day that the Lord has made, that Yahweh has made. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. Oh, Yahweh, save us. Yahweh, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. Wait, this is what they were singing a week before. This next chunk of verses, this is what they were singing a week before as he rode into town on a donkey, wouldn't it? And they grabbed boughs off the trees. and All this is about him. All this is about him. From the house of Yahweh, we bless you. Yahweh is God. He made his light shine upon us with bows in hand. Ah, because they're taking, taking a big old piece of wood in hand. And whether that's, we always think of that as, you know, palm leaves and palm branches for Palm Sunday. You can make an argument. It's also the crossbar of a cross. Chunks of wood in hand. Join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar where a sacrifice is going to be made. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Would Jesus have sung that verse? Yeah. Would Jesus have meant that verse? Because this whole psalm is about him. It's like Psalm 22 is all about him. Arguably, the whole Old Testament is all about him. But specifically, these are talking specifically about this moment. And he's like, I can find strength in this truth because it's all been pointing here and this is why I came. This is why I can give thanks to God. You are my God. I will give you thanks. I will exalt you. Psalm ends, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good and his love endures forever. Would Jesus have sung that? Yes. Would he have meant that? Yes. Because I think Jesus understands, understood, understands better than we do that our thanks, our thanks just cannot be based on how you feel today. It can't be based on your circumstances today. Our thanks has to be based on something deeper and richer than that. It has to be thank, based on the character of the God who is with us, whether we feel like he's with us or not whether our circumstances feel like they've changed for the better or the worse or not. I disagree with the Romans, the Rolling Stones. I'm sorry. All due respect, I disagree with the Rolling Stones. I do not believe Jesus had a moment of doubt. 
I don't think he did. I think he had moments of, I don't want to do this. But I don't think he had a moment of doubt. Because he's listening to better music. He's listening to better music. He's filled his heart with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, truth. Maybe that's why Paul tells us in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit so that you're not just leaning on your own natural strength, your own ability to muscle through with a good attitude. Nope. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing, make music in your heart to the Lord. Why? Because he's so musically inclined? Sure, but because you want to saturate yourself, inundate yourself with the truth on a on a on an intellectual level, on a, on a spiritual level, on a relational level, because you're singing with one another, on an emotive level, on every level. Saturate every part of yourself with remembering God's truth so that it just burbles out. All week long, Megan and I have been talking about different songs that have been stuck in our heads. Some of them are really cool. Some of them, I don't know why it was stuck in my head. I love that there were songs that were stuck in Jesus' head to the point where he's quoting from them on the cross. He's listening to good music, filling himself with the word of God as the word of God. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, Paul says. When are you supposed to give thanks? For how much of the stuff that you're involved with? It's hard. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's hard for you and me to be frustrated or scared or stressed or cranky or negative or hateful or spiteful or racist or unforgiving or ingracious or bitter or defensive or greedy. It's hard. It's really hard. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to have the wrong heart if you are filling yourself with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be hard-pressed to genuinely seek out God's Spirit and hate Cody. It's going to be really hard if I'm genuinely saying, Lord, I want to inundate myself with your word, and I want to fill myself with your Spirit, and I want to be somebody that honors you. And speak ill of Melinda to Kelvin. It's hard for me to be that petty when I'm filled with something that powerful. It's not impossible. But if we're filling our hearts with, our minds with, our souls with, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with God's holy word like Jesus did, with an attitude of gratitude that always continually reminds us, actively reminds us that God is good and his love endures forever, that he is consistently righteous, does the right thing. Always he chooses right. That, that God's wonders in answer to our prayers, that his wonders are so much beyond what we would ever understand. And we need to trust that. If we, if we remind ourselves that we share in the inheritance of God, an inheritance that's waiting for us, that nothing can pluck from our hands, it's never going to spoil while it waits for us. If we remind ourselves that we're all part of God's family, the family of Christ, the household of the living God, even in our brokenness. When we remind ourselves that 
We're supposed to be looking at the whole world and saying, we're all sheep of his pasture. And I want you to know that. It's, I'd be hard-pressed to despise the world that I'm trying to love, to despise the world that God is trying to love. Not impossible, but really hard-pressed. And, and to remind ourselves that if we're broken and still loved, then all those other broken people, including all those people that cut us on their rough, chipped edges because they're so broken. I don't know. Have you ever been cut by the rough edges, the chipped edges of somebody else in their brokenness? You know what? You don't have to like that. You don't even have to like that person. But if I'm beloved, even in my brokenness, I want to make sure that I love him and his brokenness, her and her brokenness. I want to, as God has loved me, I want to love others. As God has forgiven me, I want to forgive others. As God has, there's a whole bunch of those in scripture we can point to. I want to look at the rest of the world and say, oh, I'm not going to pretend you're not broken. Because you're broken, you need somebody to come up and say, I want you to be my brother. I want you to be my sister because I don't think you're going to understand this on your own. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about that we've been given stewardship of this planet and everything in it? What a, what a blessing that is. What a responsibility. But do you remember when we talked about that? Stewardship of the rocks and the hills and the seas and the critters. Doesn't it have to include one another? Doesn't everything have to include the rest of humanity? I've been made a steward of the rest of humanity. You've been made a steward of the rest of humanity. If any part of you listened to that sermon and said, oh, you're right, I probably shouldn't abuse nature. Probably shouldn't go kick animals when I'm sad. I probably shouldn't abuse the thing I'm supposed to be a steward of. then let's not abuse one another. Let's not kick one another when we're sad. Let's be stewards that honor Christ. It's hard. It's not impossible, but it's very hard to let the world's song drown out the cacophony of thanks that Scripture gives us. And if it does, if it does, I submit, I might be wrong, but I think it's true. If it ever does, if the world's song ever drowns out the Bible's song, it's not that that song is louder. It's that for whatever reason, you, you've pulled it up closer to your ears so you can listen to it more clearly. Don't. Don't do that. Listen to the cacophony of thanks. I love Psalm 107. I love Psalm 107. Give thanks to Yahweh, the Bible sings, for he is good. His love endures forever. And if you haven't noticed, that keeps coming up, right? Because it's true. Let the redeemed of Yahweh say this, those who have been bought back by the Lord, those whom he redeemed from the hand of the foe, wherever or whoever that may be, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south, that he's drawn to himself to be in relationship, healthy relationship. Some wandered in desert wastelands, we're told. In verse 6, they cried out to Yahweh in their troubles, and he delivered them from their distress, because of course he did. If he's good and his love endures forever, he's not going to abandon his beloved, is he? 
Which is why we're told in response in verse 8, let them give thanks to Yahweh for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Or another example in verse 10, some sat in darkness in the deepest gloom, feeling lost and abandoned and alone. You ever feel that way? In verse 13, they cried to Yahweh in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress, because of course he did. He's good, and his love endures forever, and if that's true, then he's not going to abandon his beloved, even when you feel lost and alone and abandoned. So in response, in verse 15, let them give thanks to Yahweh for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Or in another example, in verse 17, some became fools through their rebellious ways. They turned against God. They stood as enemies of God. You ever, you ever done that? They stood as enemies, and yet even those fools were told. In verse 19, they cried to Yahweh in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Because of course he did. He's good, and his love endures forever, and he won't abandon his beloved. He sent forth his word, and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Can you sing that song? He sent forth his word and he healed them. He rescued them from death. Can you sing that song to people as an outreach? Can you tell people his word healed you, his word rescued you from death? If that's true, what should those people do, given this psalm? Let them give thanks to Yahweh, we're told in verse 21. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter where they are, no matter what else is going on in their lives, let them give thanks to Yahweh, these fools who were rebellious, for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy, which is where we started today. A joyful worship to say, I should just live in thankfulness. This is so much better than where I was living. I was living in, man, I got to get through this day. I was living in, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I was living in, oh, every penny. I was living, I don't know what she, I was living, I can't let her, I don't know wait, what he did. How can I ever let that, oh, you don't understand. The world is going to hell in a handbag. That's where I was living. And then I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God has walked through all of this with me. And every time I miss it, He's, it hurts because he says, all of what I've been doing is to be in healthy relationship with you and you keep disregarding that. And the ha- healthiest, happiest parts of your life were when you were walking with me and then like Hosea's wife, you just keep ignoring that and going off and doing other things. And then you come back and go, oh, this is so much better. Oh, he's cute. Be with me. Find joy. Live the way you were sculpted to live. And sing. Let them sacrifice thanks offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Tell everyone around them. Sing songs of praise to everyone. A song of outreach. This is another outreach song. The psalm ends by saying in verse 42, the upright see and rejoice. All the wicked shut their mouths. Pick which one you want to emulate. I want, to, I want to see and rejoice. I want to make noises out of my mouth to tell people how much I love the Lord. I want to do that. I think that's good. I don't do that enough. Remind me to do that more. 
please. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of Yahweh. I want us to be wise today. With ignorance comes fear and stress and hatred. and With wisdom comes depth and comes peace, a peace that passes understanding, a thoughtfulness that goes deeper than our human understanding. And that itself then becomes an outreach because so many people look at us and say, what do you have? You have something I don't have. Explain to me the hope that you have. How do you, what? I hate to say it, but some Christians might even look at you and say that because they say, I love the Lord so much that I look at this world with such distress. And you say, I love the Lord so much that I look at this world with such joy. But don't you see their brokenness? Oh, I absolutely see their brokenness. And God loves them so much that he asked me personally to chat with them about it. To tell them about him. And what a joy. What a joy that is. Listen to this cacophony of thanks. Tell them that what you have it isn't a what. He's a person. He's a who. Let me tell you about him. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that I thank you that you understand pain. You understand fear, concern. You understand anger. You understand all the feelings that we have because you gave them all to us. And then we twisted all of them. But you understand them. You understand what it's like to go through a horrific day and yet rejoice and be glad that this is the day that you have made. Lord, I pray, be there for Rochelle and her family today, right now, this week. But be there for all the families who have lost people that they love. Be there for all the people who this holiday season are struggling with depression or pain or fear, stress. Be there for all of us sitting here today who can so easily lose sight of living in thankfulness. Help us never to be trite, but help us to dive deep and to know you understand everything we're going through and you walk through it with us and you bring us joy. We give all this to you in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.